I want you to, to uh, walk over to Acts chapter 5 for just a moment. Acts chapter 5. And let's get this foundation of, of wisdom from one of the Pharisees of the Sanhedrin. And it's a wonderful thing to keep in mind, especially as you move into what's going to be an unprecedented move of God across this nation. Do you know that critics are rarely, rarely receivers? That's right. And they're never world changers. But in Acts chapter 5, verse 26, verse 25, and someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. You notice they weren't intimidated at all. When the world says, Shut up, you should shout out all the more. It says, uh, the apostles were brought in and made to appear, verse 27, before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. And we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Now notice what it says, Peter and the other apostles replied. I don't know if they said this in unison or one after another, but it wasn't just Peter who said, we're going to obey God. They all said it. Say, when we ought to obey God rather than men. I mean, Peter's saying it's a pretty big deal knowing Peter's background. But for all of them to say, we're not going to bow to this pressure was a big thing. Uh, the God of, the of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that we might bring uh, Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We're witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put out for a little while. And listen carefully to the counsel he gives them. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and his followers were dispersed, and all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. How do you notice when Jesus walked the earth and was raised from the dead, it did come to something? Billions claim Christ. He said, therefore, in this present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. And this is good counsel for you. When you see a brother, a ministry, a church attacking another brother, sister, church, you need to rise up in your spirit and say, as for me, I'm going to leave them alone. Amen. You didn't call them, therefore you are not their critic. Now, we're not talking about belief systems and doctrines. We have a right to, to deal with doctrines and things that may violate the Word of God. But he says, leave these men alone, let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God... You will not be able to stop these men. You'll only find yourselves fighting against God. And I'm telling you that there are people that actually are, are finding themselves fighting against God. They just don't really realize it at this point in time. Modern day heresy hunters, modern day what are so-called discerning ministries. In reality, they're not discerning or ministries. Ministry is service rendered in the name of the Lord. Nowhere in Scripture can you find somebody that God has raised up to correct the body of Christ. 
It doesn't exist. Now, Paul told Timothy, exhort, instruct, correct with all authority. Now, someone in a ministry leadership position with somebody who's in a relationship with that church, that's a different story. The pastor should have correction when it's necessary. Amen. Ministers and to those that are accountable should have correction when it's necessary. Well, there is no blanket thing where I can get on YouTube or get on Facebook, you know, or get on television or write a magazine and I am the corrector of the body of Christ. It doesn't exist. It's a self-appointed, self-called ministry that doesn't have the sanction of God. It doesn't have the authority of God. It doesn't have the anointing of God. And if they had real discernment, they would know like Gamaliel is saying, stop chewing on people who are flowing in the power of the Holy Ghost. You're actually opposing God and not man. So they're not discerning ministries, and they're not ministries because it's not really service rendered in the name of the Lord. So I want to just uh, point this out to you and then continue that, uh, that this is wonderful counsel for you. You are likely to see some things that are strange to your experience. Yes. <laughs> if I haven't seen it before, it must not be from God. How many of you, when you walked in these doors at some point in time, you had to unlearn something that you may have learned Raise your hand up high. You wouldn't be ashamed of it. All of us are in that category. I didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost, for example. I didn't know anything about righteousness, for example. In fact, I didn't even know anything about the born-again experience. I had to unlearn a truckload. And some of you maybe had to unlearn some things or a lot of things, but that's just the whole point. And what we don't want to be, is, again, is the habit is if it's unfamiliar to me, then it must be wrong. If I've never seen this manifestation before, then it can't possibly be God. You know, everybody in their day, as they walked with God in their generation, they saw things that were extraordinary. How many know when the, when the bush began to burn, Moses can't say, well, you again. And I have a better amen than that. <laughs> that was not his response. Well, seen that again. No. And throughout scriptures, you'll see that God will manifest himself in ways that are consistent with scripture but also reveal his autonomy and his sovereignty, his dealings with man are none of our business. Amen. So in reality, if you're not careful, you can allow yourself to be influenced by ministries that are self-appointed critics of the church. And all I'm trying to tell you is that you can receive from a wide variety of ministries, but when you find a bone, something that contradicts the Word of God, spit it out without becoming a crusader against that ministry. Because just because somebody doesn't get everything right doesn't mean everything they're doing is wrong. That's right. Let me try that again. Just because yeah. they don't get everything right doesn't mean that everything they're doing is wrong. That's right. For example, I don't have a lot in common with, you know, with the you know, charismatic theology, say, of the Southern Baptist Convention or, or some of the organizations that are out there. But you want to talk about an organization that has been notoriously successful in winning souls? You tell me what matters. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And, and different church organizations, I'm not talking about people who have gone off the deep end, they bought into wokeism, and they bought into all this garbage that's out there. I'm talking about people who are at least trying to serve God with integrity. Right now, I think there's 100 uh, Methodist churches that are suing to leave their organization and take their property and people with them. And, and God bless them. How many will say God bless them? Why? Because they want to stick to the Word of God. You understand what I'm saying to you? So our job is to believe God and let Him flow in us and through us. And be fed. The only, the only thing I want you to be cautious about in these end times are these so-called heretic hunters. Amen. Yes. These armchair theologians. Those that slept at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? 
Because they're not appointed by God. And if you're not careful, you'll let them in. And I'm telling you that your destiny is tied to your fellowship and association. Your destiny is tied to where God has you needing, you know, where you need to be to develop and to grow and to flow in these things. And uh, we can't expect the devil to stand up and applaud. And we can't expect people who don't understand certain things to stand up and applaud. But just because something is weird to you, or you didn't learn in your church in kindergarten, it doesn't mean that it's not true of God. Amen? Say it with me. My ears are open. I mean, what's the point of confessing if your ears and heart are really not open? If your mind's really not alert, then why say that? Say, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. So Chameleon just makes an incredibly important point. Um, just keep your mouth off of God's people. Keep it off of God's servants. Amen. But some of them are weird. Yeah, but you know what? If they looked at you, they'd think you were weird. Some of them are pretty eccentric. But how do you know God uses the foolish things of this world? To confound the wise. I mean, he chose some people like Paul who were extremely well educated and had multiple, you know, terminal degrees and spoke multiple languages. But a lot of people were people he just pulled in that had a, had a willing heart to do something great for God. And they're not all going to be polished. And so I want to encourage you, I don't want to go back over that list again, but just, you know, just because you hear somebody criticize somebody because they heard a 20-second soundbite, do you know you can take 20-second soundbites from my sermon and turn me into a heretic in 24 hours? But put it in context, it's totally the Word of God. Amen? You tell me that that's what we should be doing? No. You, you take the folks that are they're involved in this kind of a ministry, and they're not winning people to Jesus. There's nothing proactive going on. It's just tear down and tear down and tear down. And every once in a while, I'll see somebody plucked out of our fellowship and other fellowships like that who've given their ear to these heresy hunters and those that are armchair quarterbacks and Facebook experts, and they lose their destiny and what God has for them because of that. Turn to somebody and say, it's not happening to me. Point at them and say, it's not happening to you. And I'm telling you that once you get into this mode of you are the critic, it's hard to get out of that thing once you yield to that spirit. Now, God wants you to be discerning. He wants you to discern between good and evil, right and wrong, truth from error. But here's the kicker. Just because you mean you become a crusader or that you attack that person. Just because you discern humanity in one of your fellow believers does not mean you have a right to go after them. Amen. Pray for them? Yes. If they're in a relationship with you, talk to them. If they're in an accountability structure, by all means. Amen. Um, so I just want to go over these with you tonight. There are some things that indicate that critical spirit versus a discerning spirit. And I'm not telling you now to take these and go criticize people. That's not what this is about. Here's nine things that I'm going to go around with a critical eye, seeing if people have a critical spirit or a discerning spirit. I'm going to find out if you've got a critical spirit. Here's my list. <laughs> no, this is for you to be aware of certain things not to let into your heart and life. You continue to walk the walk that God has given you to walk. I mean, you know, minding your own business is tough enough. Yeah, amen. 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 Raise your hand if you have some issue you know God is working in your life about. Isn't that enough? without taking on everybody else's stuff, too. Yes. Amen. Number one is, is a, a lack of love. Jesus never said 
by their doctrine, you will know, amen, they're of me. They never said that. He did say what? By your love, they'll know that you're my disciples. By your what? By your love. By your love. Love doesn't, uh, does not, you know, not see weakness or humanity. Love sees humanity and chooses to love anyway. Does that make sense? Did I not just define perfectly what marriage is all about? Mm-hmm. Do you, have you ever seen humanity in the person you married? <laughs> And some of y'all, Kelly says, not me, of course, but uh, raise your hand if you've seen married, you know, humanity in the person you married. And yet, isn't that what covenant's all about? Yes. Yes. You say, how uh, many understand if you go out and with that knowledge of humanity and start telling your relatives and your, your parents and your friends and church folks, how many know that marriage is going to be in trouble in record fashion time? Yes. And if you've been through counseling with me, that's one of the things I'll tell you exactly don't do. You talk to them about that or you talk to your, your pastor or biblical counselor. And when I was the first, uh, uh, I think I was 18 years old here uh, in college, we were at a meal with a bunch of church folk. And I heard one woman in this church, and they're no longer here, been long, long gone. But I heard her rail on her husband. I'm eight, say I'm 18 years old. I've only been born again for a few months. That's not the example I needed to see. No, that's right. And you say, did they make it? They barely made it. With some supernatural intervention, that relationship was spared. But I remember sitting there at that, at that time saying, first of all, I don't think this is right. And second of all, I said, I'm not sure they're going to make it with that kind of dynamic going on in their life. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the body of Christ. Yes. You should be defending each other. You should be supporting each other. Amen. You should not be participating in things that tear down your brothers and your sisters, whether they're Hope Harbor attenders or First Baptist attenders. That's right. right. Amen. Glory to God. They'll know us by our love. Do not elevate doctrinal differences and belief systems above the supreme command. The royal law is not doctrine. The royal law is the law of love. Say it with me. Love the Lord. Your God. With all your heart. Your mind. Your soul. And your what? In other words, everything in you that you have at your disposal. Physically, your body, your resources, everything. And then what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible says all the law and prophets hang or depend on that royal law. It's the greatest commandment. So when somebody starts going after different people in the body of Christ, whether it's, you know, you know Joyce Meyer or Joel Osteen or Brother Copeland, you know, or Tom, Dick, or Harry, it doesn't make any difference. Or somebody on the other, you know, faith spectrum. When you see them do things like that, you have to ask yourself, you know, is, is love the motive? And uh, me broadcasting somebody else's questionable teaching to the whole world, I cannot possibly spin that as love for that person. No. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So maybe it's love for the people that are listening to them. That's actually a different dynamic, which we'll get to tonight. Amen. Look at somebody say, by your love, you'll be known. Um, and you and I only for sure know whether we're walking in love or not. And that's why Paul said, when you do preach the truth, preach the truth. In love. But by all means, preach the truth. Um, You're not loving people by lying to them 
because you're trying to be tolerant with people. Jesus. Say it with me. Lies, lies are not love. I'm going to say it again. Lies, lies are not love. You know, we, we talked about how when you start moving the barriers of, of human sexuality and what is according to the Word of God, and the Word of God how you know, is very, very plain about this, and we just simply repeat what the Word says and preach it in love, we're, we're treated as haters because we're pointing out the truth. Well, that's entirely up to somebody's you know, perspective. But the reality is, you can't say, I love you, so what I'm going to do is bend what the Word of God says in an effort to love you because that's not love. When you lie to people, you're not loving them. Say that with me, lies, lies are not love. Are not Say it again, lies, lies are, not love. are not love. And so now we have, you know, gender dysphoria going on, where we have not just, you know, people individually saying, I'm struggling with this issue. Now we're expecting educators and health providers to help you lie about who you are. You go into a doctor's office and they now are required because of the hospital system you operate in to tell you whether you are what you were born as and what you identify as. That's a nonsense question because I'm not going to treat you as what you think you are. In reality, I'm going to treat you for what you actually are. Are you here today? Uh, a man comes in and says, I identify as a woman. And I say, well, we need to check you, you know, for something wrong with your ovaries or uterus. That's not happening. No. <laughs> so even though I play around with this little thing, a little game going on, in reality, how am I going to treat that person? You're not. I'm going to treat them as a male. Thou hast no uterus. <laughs> so when it comes down to treatment, I'm going to stop pretending. And we said, well, that's not going to stop there. There's going to be people saying they identify as a five-year-old man or a six-year-old girl. And now we have people saying, I identify as an African-American. And they're even changing their appearance now so they can identify as what they say they actually are. In racial dysphoria, folks, there is no off-ramp for this nonsense. And the absolute only barrier to this are Christians who have the guts to say the truth in love. Yeah. Amen? You were born, amen, with certain characteristics in terms of your DNA that give you your skin color and your eye color, everything. But how many understand all the blood runs red? We're human beings. And you're born male, you're born female. What you identify as is not truth. Well, it's just homophobic and bigotry. No, it's just the truth. And I've said this before, but if we get up there and then preach this stuff, I mean, you're having people just full-blown now take pulpits and they're saying things like, you know, drag is godly. <laughs> when the scripture plainly talks about men doing what? It's, I think it's actually called an abomination, which translated in our vernacular means it disgusts God enough to throw up. So how do you reconcile that? You recreate what the actual word says, and you make it, you bend it to what you, you want people to understand it as. But the reality, it didn't change the truth one iota. Does that make sense? So don't misunderstand when I say, well, we just love everybody and everything goes. I'm simply saying is, it's not my job now to go out there and crusade against the people who are telling you that drag is godly and holy. Is it, is it holy and is it godly? No, I do have a responsibility to tell you that. 
And if somebody were to wander in here and drag, I'm not going to change my message because they showed up with lipstick on. Are you here? We had a couple ladies come in um, a couple years ago, and they've said that we've been to every church in the region. We just can't find a place where we're welcome. I said, you're welcome here. Amen. People will love you and accept you and receive you. I said, but I'm not going to change the word to accommodate your lifestyle. Well, how long do you think they lasted in this church? Now watch this. I never even said anything about these things while they were here. Not because I intentionally stayed away from them. I was on a different kind of series. I'm not going to just inject something because somebody's in the crowd. I mean, that's not godly for preachers to do it and target people because they're there. It's also not right for you to shut up just because somebody is there. That's just as wrong. What was, what was dealing with? What was bugging them? I tell you what was bugging them. The Holy Ghost was bugging them. When men won't preach, it won't stop the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost doesn't stop conviction just because we're silent. Are you here today? But watch for genuine, authentic love. Amen? And that will manifest itself in not getting on a crusade. And you, you, this is just stay away from this. Well, you don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be belligerent about it. Just simply say, you know what? I'm going to protect my ears. Look at somebody and tell them, be careful, little, little ears, what you hear. Come on, say it. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little eyes, what you, what you see. Because you don't want that in your heart. You've got too much going on for you to take a wrong turn right now. Come on, say it. I've got too much going on to take a wrong turn now. Amen. Look, everybody, you know, we're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. You're not everybody's cup of tea. You just have to be faithful what God has called you to be. Number two is lacking revelation. Just because somebody doesn't have a revelation that somebody's preaching doesn't mean the person preaching it is wrong. Amen. Write this down. Learn to doubt your own theological infallibility. You are not theologically infallible. Oh, yes, I am. No, you're not. And because you think that way, we just found out your lack of fallible. <laughs> you are infallible, and it's called pride. Amen. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Matthew 16, Jesus said, that Upon this rock of revealed knowledge, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whether it's the baptism in the Holy Ghost, tongues, gifts, the power of words, the working of faith, the authority of the believer, people can lack revelation. I lacked revelation on the new birth. I was taught, I was, I was catechized, I was, I was infant baptized according to the doctrines and the precepts and the sacraments of that church. I was in right standing with God. But you know what? At 18 years old, if I had died, I'd have gone straight to hell. Because the catechism couldn't save me. And the infant baptism couldn't save me. They could certainly give me an example and a model and some kind of morality and a right direction to go if I chose to go. But I had to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you, like me, weren't raised in an environment where the new birth was taught. It was not evangelical in any sense of the word. But thank God my eyes were open. Now somebody on the other side of this shouldn't go attacking, you know, and they do in, 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 the, in somewhat in the Catholic tradition, other traditions, this idea that they have to be born again. But you and I know if Nicodemus was told he has to be born again, mm -hmm. then you and I have to be born again. born again. He said, how do we do that? Well, that's a good question, especially if you're thinking naturally. Yes. But Jesus wasn't talking about being born of woman again. He was being talk, you know, talked about being born of the Spirit. Spirit. And Paul explained how that happens. 
faith in your heart, and faith in your mouth. Paul explained that the word of faith is the mechanism whereby people experience the new birth. So here's an announcement for you tonight. Every person who ever got born again is word of faith, whether they know it or not. Every single one of them, because that's how a person goes from being not born again, but being born of the Spirit of God. Believing in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead. How many still believe that? Yes. You say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Jesus and confession is made unto salvation. salvation. And then, of course, after I was you know, saved, on the same night I received the baptism, I knew nothing about the things of the Holy Spirit. But I didn't say, well, you know what, since I don't know this, it can't be true. How about a little bit of uh, you know, self-awareness that you and I, just because we don't have a handle on something, doesn't mean it's not true. I mean, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Say it with me, I thank God. Say I thank God for the Holy Ghost. When I received the Holy Ghost, it was revelation on tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. You know, when it was that, it was the understanding of, of, of righteousness and things like that. Going through the years and, and teaching in the ministry, a few years ago, God began to give me revelation on, on the glorification process. I mean, no, that's powerful stuff. Yes. He didn't start with me, you know, day one born again learning that stuff. But now I see it clear as a bell what He's doing. Mm -hmm. Amen. Even right now, you're being glorified. That's right. Even as you're sitting here, God is glorifying His people by His Word and by His Spirit. So we're on this journey, and just because somebody's a little ahead of us and has seen something doesn't mean they're a heretic because you haven't seen it yet. Say, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And you see a lot of this in the body of Christ. And of course, they're not going to admit that maybe I lack revelation. Amen. It's just that you're some kind of a heretic. Number three, and this is important, they're lacking obedience when it comes to feeling like something is not quite right in somebody's life. Matthew 18 says this in verse 15, If your brother or sister sins, go and point that out to them just between what? The two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Now, first thing you will notice, it says, if your brother has what sinned against you. A disagreement of opinion is not a sin. Do you see this tonight? But in Matthew 18, Jesus himself points out how you handle this. What it does not say is, I found out something about Sharon and humanity, so I'm going to get on my YouTube channel and tell everybody. You see people, and here's the deal. <laughs> Some of you are going to be looking for that broadcast. Eh? <laughs> what, what do you see, praise the Lord? You will see people that, that, that will do this. Now, understand this according to this, because they're, they're parallel concepts, and they, they fit with the concept you know, of, of accountability. In, um, in 1 Timothy 5, verse 19, Do not admit a charge against an elder except by the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. So Paul's saying, hey, Timothy, don't you dare just receive some wild accusation against an elder. It needs to be established by two or three witnesses. And then what do you do? Here's where they miss it. Then you go to that elder, same as Matthew 18, to deal with that thing. If an elder persists, that's when you can say what? In that congregation, this is out of order, this is out of line. Neither of these cases go, you know, gives you permission to go on the air and blast somebody. Right. No. Now here's my point. 
No one has ever gone to Joyce Meyer personally and said, I disagree with this and I think you're an error. They get on their little heresy hunter channel and that's where they do it. As for me, I think she teaches some pretty powerful stuff. Yes. Amen. 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 And she really freaked out religious people the other day when she announced that she got her first tattoo. I really believe that God had her do that just to aggravate the Pharisees in America. I really believe that. One of those Isaiah things, you know what I'm talking about? One of those little Ezekiel things. <laughs> and, and she did. Now, I don't, I don't have a tat. And I don't encourage you to get tats. I don't like needles to begin with. I mean, people that do this voluntarily, there's a screw loose there. Not because of religious reason. But bless your tatted heart. My cousin went to a school in Nashville. And again, I'm not going to come down on some denomination, but I'm saying he went to school in Nashville and he was already tatted when he got born again. My sister laid hands on him to receive the Holy Ghost. He was on fire for God. And he got there in that, in that school and they told him, God can't use you because you're tatted. Now being young in the Lord, it really threw him for a loop. That's why you got to be careful with your hyper-judgmentalism. Amen. Really? Well, there are scriptures in the Vegas. There are things about your skin. There are things about your body. But the body also says your, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And it's so funny to me that somebody will point out somebody's tattoo before they'll point out the chip on their own shoulder. Which is worse? <laughs> are you hearing me? And so you have this stuff. And so, you know, they don't go. They just, you know, they'll, they'll pick a little thing about Joel does on the air and then they'll just slam bash and how he's not doing this right. Not, have you gone to him? Did you obey scripture? Listen carefully. People that are not obeying scripture in these matters should keep their mouths shut. Amen. Period. Because in doing so, they're in disobedience, not following, not what the church came up with, what Jesus mandated. Go just between the two of you. So when people don't do this, and by and large, they don't do this, they, they broadcast it. And you say, I don't have YouTube, I don't have Facebook, I don't have television, I don't have radio. Broadcast it to another believer is the same thing as you put it on YouTube. It's getting quiet in this Overcomers Club tonight. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It shows you there's the lack of love there. It shows you there's a lack of revelation just because Joel teaches something on the power of words that I never understood or my, you know, my tradition told me wasn't of God. Just because there's like a revelation there doesn't mean it's not true. And if you have a problem, did you contact Lakewood? Did you go see him? Did you inquire for a meeting? No, you just did what? You broadcast it out there which means you are in total disobedience to the Word of God. And I'm telling you, when you see this going on out there, look at somebody say, I'm learning something tonight. Come on, say it boldly. I'm learning something tonight. You see a person in so-called ministry conduct themselves that way. We're the exposers. We're the investigators. You're completely and totally disobedient to the Jesus you say you serve. Because Jesus said, do what? You go to Joel, you go to Joyce, you go to Tom, you go to Dick, you go to Harry, whoever it is, just between you two. And if it's a matter of a leadership structure, a church, an organization, it's between that leader to go to that person. 
Or Roberts had a spiritual son who went from preaching the Word of God, the things of God, you know, the Word with power, operating in the Holy Ghost, to adopting a, a once, you know, universalism type of doctrine where God has already saved everybody. And as a spiritual father, he went to him, guess what? Personally. Yes. Say personally. personally. He did not get on his broadcast that millions watched and said, guess what? I'm going to call this person out and condemn him and denounce him. That's not what he did. He went to him personally. Unfortunately, the person didn't listen to him. And he went from a church of 5,000 to 200. And to this day, he still thinks, I did all this, I'm being persecuted for the gospel. No, the gospel is, yes, everyone can be saved, but we must repent. We must what? Believe in our heart. We must say with our mouth. We must pull that spiritual trigger, according to the word of God, and be born again. Yes, everybody can be saved if they will what? Respond to the grace that's been actually given. And that was the end of it. Never heard another word out of that great man of God about that situation, but he went to them. The spirit that's in the world right now, that's not how it operates. They would have 24-7 exposés of that particular preacher. What's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with that guy? And suddenly they dedicate themselves to finding out what's wrong with everybody. God help them if they ever get a hold of my material. <laughs> and that's the, that's the whole point of their existence. And I'm telling you that there are people that get sucked into this by thinking that a critical spirit is something of God, and it's not a discerning spirit. Here's the deal, okay? This brother doesn't listen to Or Roberts, and I'm listening to his program, and all of a sudden he talks about universalism. You know what I get to do? I say, it's not of God. I don't believe I'll be listening to that. I do not get on the air and lambast the brother because he's taken a veer into what probably is heretical. Amen. You hear you see the difference? A discerning spirit is what you need. Look at somebody in town. Be discerning, be discerning. Not, critical. not critical. Lacking love, lacking revelation, lacking obedience. Um, lacking a soul focus. All this effort out there breeds confusion in people, but it's not being, you know, kingdom effective because you and I primarily should be caring about getting people to heaven from Murray, Callaway County. Yes. Does it make sense? And I'm just doing this so that I can help you understand this uh, to, to protect you because I can't be around 24 hours a day and we only have, you know, so many hours a day that, or a week that we're together as a church. Um, there's only so much I can, I can do to protect you, but you'll notice when this type of thing is going on, when you have this kind of a mindset that I'm the, I'm the corrector, you know, I'm the, I'm the critic of the church, I'm the one that's going to set everybody straight, you will see that you don't ever hear them talk about souls. Ever. It's they're doing it wrong, they're doing it wrong, they're doing it wrong, they're doing it wrong. They're doing it wrong. They used to say this to Mark Randall all the time on campus when he was here on earth. They'd say, we don't like the way you do evangelism. Other campus ministers would even criticize him. And he'd say, well, how do you do evangelism? We don't do evangelism. We just have little meetings and we have coffee and crumpets. And one day we talked to him about Jesus after five years of a relationship. You know, on a campus, you don't have five years. No, we don't. <laughs> and Jesus didn't wait five years to talk to Zacchaeus. Are you here? And Jesus didn't wait until he had a relationship with the woman at the well. That should be the focus. On a dime, ready to share what God has done in our lives. Well, Mark is kind of funny. He said, you know what? I like my better of doing evangelism than your lack of a better of doing evangelism. What you're not doing, I think I like mine better. Um, 
When you see folks railing on everybody under the sun, but there's no soul focus, you're dealing with something you do not need to allow yourself to participate in. Souls matter. Amen. Amen. You know, um, Jesus prayed in his prayer in John 17 that we would be one. One in doctrine. You can't put five people in this church and they'll be 100% on the same page on doctrine. But you can be one in what? Faith in Christ and one in the love of God. That is doable, isn't it? And that's when the power flows. In Ephesians 4, the Bible talks about how we are preparing you for works of service so we can come to the full measure or stature of Christ. That's when we have maximum anointing. Not when everybody's on the same page about every little doctrine. But in unity of love, in unity of faith, now you see things go up. Now you see why the devil would be interested in dividing people. Yes. Amen? Yes. Say it with me, souls. souls. Well, here's what the Lord said in Mark 16. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, they'll pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They'll place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Say it with me, I'll lay my hands on the sick and they'll recover. After the Lord had spoken to them, He was taken up into heaven, and He sat at the right hand of God. The disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed His word by signs following, or signs that accompanied it. Proverbs 11.30, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins his souls is wise. Speaking against something is not speaking for something. See that we speaking against something is not speaking for something. Jesus from time to time had to deal with the Pharisees and what they were doing. But when you track his ministry, he was preaching for something. Amen. He talked about in him having abundant life. Amen. And in him having living water. Not how all the sects of Jews are doing everything wrong. Are you here today? Um. Believe it or not, our country is so messed up, we need any church that's preaching any remnant of the gospel right now. Amen. We don't need any of them closing their doors. Amen. Amen. And we don't need people criticizing everybody so that people will turn their ear. That may be the very kind of ministry that reaches them. You know, my grandfather wouldn't go to church when darkened her door. He was drunkard, philanthropist. I mean, he, he would drink up all the money. And, I mean, had my, my mom and her sisters had nothing. Uh, my grandma was abused. My grandma had a quadruple bypass surgery, and the man didn't even didn't call, let alone go over there. I mean, this is just a really hardened person. But the com- it came a day when he flipped on the channel. Now imagine this. He flips on the channel, and somebody happens to be over there, and the person he's watching, somebody else there criticizes. And so he won't listen to that person. The person he turned on the air was Brother Copeland. And he would laugh, and he would listen, and he would laugh, and he would listen. And I'm, I'm thinking the guy with the Ph.D., you know, in the beautiful Nornate Church, you know, with, with 15, 25,000 people, you know, an acceptable social environment kind of a thing, a different kind of a ministry in some big downtown area. Maybe he wouldn't listen to them with all their polished language. But he listened. And eventually he prayed to receive Christ. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. You see that? I know these things happen because when I was a freshman in college, somebody did that to me and pushed me away from a particular ministry for years. Listen to me. Not a crusade. They didn't beat on me. They didn't harass me. All they had to do was at that moment say a critical word about that ministry. I didn't know enough to know better or not. And all that did, didn't harm them at all, but it pushed me back what I believe was several years. Now, how many know there's an anointing of acceleration? God can cause you to cover much ground very, very quickly. But guess what? That shouldn't have happened. Does that make sense? Yes. Turn to somebody and tell them, it shouldn't happen. Say it again, it shouldn't happen. Say it one more time, that shouldn't happen. You know, the person that uh, you know, you're becoming critical of could be the very key to loved one's salvation. Wow. Do you really want to take the chance of your loved one going to hell because you wanted to open up your mouth because you didn't agree 100% with them? Amen. And if we do that, we sure don't want to hear that in glory one day. You know, so-and-so, your relative would have been here, but do you remember a time you opened up your mouth? I had raised that person up to reach that person in your family, and your own mouth kept them out of heaven. Look at somebody and say, we don't want to hear that. <laughs> we want to hear what? Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Relative to going directly to somebody, next is lacking authority after lacking a soul focus. Um, you have to be someone spiritually covering for you to actually have the authority and the platform to go around dealing with errors of, of correction. Not really criticism, but, but correction. Uh, and it's not fun. Most people I know in spiritual leadership don't enjoy it, but from time to time it, uh, it needs to happen. And a lot of Christians in America, they, they don't receive correction. So it's, it's equally you know, difficult, even in a local church, to, to do some of these things. But it's necessary. And I want to point this out to you, that um, we just don't have a platform to go around judging everybody else's leadership just because we have a, a platform or a voice or some vehicle to do that. We need to have what's called the relationship to do that. Does that make sense? Um, Explain to you this way. In Romans 14.4, Paul said, Who are you to judge someone, uh, someone else's servant? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. You remember the same kind of story when, when uh, disciples came to Jesus and said, You know, there's some folks over here, and they're, they're doing ministry, and they're casting out devils, and they're not with us. And we told them to stop it. What did Jesus say? Good job. Stop them. Shut them down. Criticize them. Tear them up because they're not with us. Now, I know it's hard to believe, but you and I are not the only thing on the planet. We're not the only thing in town. Amen? And so we can deal with holding each other accountable, and pastors have to at times deal with things that need to be corrected, whether it's something as a body or individually, whatever the case may be. But um, it's not the case where we go around judging somebody else's servant. Are you here? Um, or Roberts did that with his spiritual son. From time to time, I've had to do that with spiritual sons in the faith, and they don't always go over real well. Uh, when you're a pastor, you can't say, I'm, I'm not going to do that because you're not going to receive it anyway. You still have a responsibility to do that. Hey, I mean, you know, as parents, you need to be able to correct your kids. Mm -hmm. yep. And who enjoys it? 
Nobody does. Now, when Timothy was growing up, guess who was the heavy hand? I'll give you a tip. It wasn't her. <laughs> and uh, we, we believe what, uh, you know, Dr. Dobson used to teach, that uh, if a child is about to harm themselves or someone else, or they're showing outright disrespect, you know, for authority, not just parent authority, but any kind of authority established in the world, then they should be spanked. Not beat, not hurt, not destroyed, but what? Well, they don't believe that in Sweden, Pastor, and Oprah doesn't believe that. that Oprah didn't write this book. And Oprah's experience of abuse does not mean just because a parent spanks a child that it's abuse. And so from time to time, she, she would spank Timothy, but he would never feel it. And in fact, more often than not, he'd laugh. And when I was a kid, laughing was not a good choice at all. It just, they just try harder, you know. But I made sure that there was some pain there. One day we were coming home from uh, you know, Paducah, and uh, he opened up the safety latch on going inside the door of the car. And uh, in the middle of the road, going down the highway, he opened up the door. And I pulled over, and that would classify something he just did that would certainly hurt himself or destroy his life. So I said, yep, when did you get home? And boy, he eyeballed me in that rearview mirror all the way home, praying I would forget. Praying that I would forget about it. And I didn't. And, um, and of course, when, when I would exact discipline, uh, there was a little bit more force to it. Not abuse, but force to it. And, uh, of course, she could never handle that, but tenderhearted. But how do you know it's necessary? Yes. Yes. You know, Sarah was telling us just uh, you know, a few weeks ago that over where she teaches in a school, it's not uncommon for a second or third grader to cuss out the teacher. And I'm not talking about little benign words. We're talking about the worst cuss words you would possibly hear coming out of a second grader's mouth. The complete breakdown of discipline. Because what? They're hearing it at home. And there's no accountability. Now, how many of y'all remember that when it used to be when you were in school and you got in trouble, you got it at school, and then what happened? Come on, let's say it all together. You got it also at home. I was in kindergarten. See how much I remember? Kindergarten. And they used to pass out these little half sheets of paper. It was a heavy paper. And it was a half sheet of math problems. <laughs> and y'all remember those big old fat pencils they used to give you, you know? Oh, they made a lot of noise when you hit them just right on that paper. So I finished my work, everybody, hey, everybody else, and I just started hitting the paper. And Mrs. Absher, you see, I remember her name. <laughs> Burned forever. She said, now you're finished. Now I'll put your paper down, your pencil down, and wait for everybody else. And I said, well, that's code for pick it up again and do it even more. And she said, uh, one more time, I'm going down to Mrs. Sullivan's office, and he'll deal with the situation. And so I said, yeah, let's see if this is really going to work or not. So I picked up the paper, and I hit the, the paper, made the noise. She marches down the hall, gets him. He comes back with a device for inflicting torture on little kids. It's called a paddle. Kids don't know what that is today. If you look at them wrong, it's child abuse. And this particular version was about, oh, 14, 16 inches long, about six inches wide, and it had holes drilled in it. And um, he confirmed what had happened. And uh, 
The three times she told me to put the paper down. How many times do you think he hit me? Three. Three times. Ask me if I ever did that ever again. Probably not. I didn't even do that in graduate school. Man, I'm not doing that stuff anymore. <laughs> I mean, I learned my lesson. <laughs> Kids today, nothing. So it's not a surprise you see a breakdown in the house of God when adult Christian parents won't even do it. Instead, they bought into the lie of, and if this rubs you the wrong way, turn the cat around. It takes more than just your words to discipline most kids. Yes, that's true. Some kids live to please. Some Christians are that way. They want to be a blessing. They don't want to be a hardship to anybody else in that body. They don't want to be a troublemaker like that. And there are kids like that. But, but some of them need a little more incentive. Mm -hmm. That's true. Incentive. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. So here's the deal. Do you have authority to discipline your own child? Yes. Do you have the authority to discipline somebody else's child? Not unless it's been given to you. It's not only your prerogative, it's your responsibility. It's the same thing in matters of church discipline. Somebody can do something stupid over First Baptist, that is not my call to deal with that member. That's right. If I were a personal relationship with that person, that would be different as a friendship relationship. That is up to that particular organization to deal with it. There was a ministry friend of mine who made some bad decisions and, and it cost him his ministry. And um, he was involved with uh, uh, you know, a funeral home in town and we were doing a burial for one of our members over there in the military cemetery. And I was doing my thing and, and the military was about to give him his last rites and his 21-gun salute, he was discharged honorably. He was over there buried in that military you know, place like he should have been. And the Holy Ghost, this is the only time it's ever happened to me in all the years of doing funerals. And when you've you know, been as long as I have, you've done some funerals. Look at somebody, he's, he's buried some dead people. <laughs> and just as clear as a bell, I want you to go over there and lay hands on that man and say what I tell you to say. And I laid hands on that man and I prophesied over his life that God was far from done with him that the Lord would give him greater success and, and, and fruit and ministry than he's ever had before. He's sitting there at the funeral. They're trying to deal with the body over here. He's crying over there. He's receiving from God. It's not my job, job to be his critic. No. You see the difference? If you really love somebody, you want to see him restored. That's right. Well, guess what? He's back in the pulpit and blessing people and winning people. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's the way we ought to be. That's, that's in fact what the Bible talks about in Galatians. You that are spiritual do what? Restore someone in a spirit of gentleness, not pile on. Does that make sense? So we can encourage everybody. But we can't be in a situation where we think we're everybody else's judge. This propensity <laughs> to judge everybody and criticize everybody, it's a waste of your time. It's not Christ-like. It's not God-honoring. And it's not going to bear any fruit. Amen. How I many you know it's enough for us to follow God and be led of the Holy Ghost? Everybody say, thank God, thank God. For, the Holy Ghost. for the Holy Ghost. Lacking authority. And I'm just telling you, when somebody gets on the air and it comes out against Brother Savelle or Brother Keith Moore or Lambass, Joyce Meyer, comes out against Gloria, whoever the case may be, you need to stop right there and say, I have no business listening to stuff. They have absolutely no authority to do that. 
And if I listen to it, guess what? It's like I agree with it. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you now? This will cause you to live free and victorious. Very quickly tonight, lacking integrity. Oftentimes these kinds of self-appointed heresy hunters are not honest with the material of others. They parse words. They edit suspiciously. They misrepresent what that person teaches. I heard one person recently say of the fundamentalists, and all a fundamentalist is somebody who believes something from the Bible strongly and they won't be moved from that, even under severe criticism. People like Jerry Falwell, for example, were called fundamentalist preachers. You know what that really means? He had convictions. Did he believe like I did on the Holy Ghost? No, but I respect the man and what God has done through his life. I mean, the fruit is there. But you couldn't move him off of the things he believed. He spoke in, uh, in Paducah one year when they were doing the, the uh, Christian coalition work and building that network of voters who would go out and vote. And a lot of them, of course, voted for Reagan and supported what he did. But uh, this person said a fundamentalist believes something without fully understanding why they believe. There's no sound argument from the Bible that justifies what they believe. That's completely wrong. If you're going to criticize somebody else and what they teach, at least get what they teach correctly. <laughs> understand what they're actually saying. Amen. In other words, you could disagree with something, but when you do this, you're showing a lack of integrity. The same kind of uh, program tried to define what a charismatic was. A charismatic is someone who attempts to experience God by divorcing their head <laughs> from their spiritual life. Just set your head over here. Now, have you been in a Pentecostal charismatic church for a while? Raise your hand. Forget about the brand of it. It's just, okay. Have you ever heard somebody tell you, you don't have to think, you don't have to use your head? No, they just make this stuff up. It's lacking integrity. And you almost just want to jump in the television screen and say, what are you talking about? Look at somebody and say, what are you talking about? Now, we will tell you to renew your mind. Amen. We will tell you that you have the mind of Christ. We will tell you to what? Make every thought captive and obedient to the Word of God. We will tell you to evaluate that, but just check out your brain because you don't need it and just walk in and experience. That's not what a charismatic church is. A charismatic church is simply a word church, an evangelical church that believes in the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yes. If he had called me, I would have given him a definition. <laughs> but he didn't. Just make this stuff up. John Osteen, when he's pastor of Baytown, Baptist Church. I say, God bless the Baptist. God bless. And uh, this is before he's baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's before any revelation of the things of the Spirit. And he got up one Sunday and he got to 1 Corinthians 12 and he began to read about the gifts of the Spirit. And he got to the point where, and that the gifts of uh, you know speaking in tongues. That's what our good Baptist you know translators do to translate the Word of God. And gifts of healing. That's what our good Baptist doctors do. And he went through three or four of these like that, plainly not having a clue what he's talking about. And he looks up at the congregation, he closed his Bible, and he said publicly, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that was the end of the teaching. But eventually he did find out what he was talking about, amen. It became powerful in operating in the gifts, powerful in getting people baptized in the Holy Ghost. But at least he had enough integrity to say, I don't know what I'm talking about. But these other folks will wax just elephants, you know, just, oh, this is what they teach, and this is what they, at least get it right if you're going to talk about that situation. Amen. Do you know that some of y'all freak people out when they come in here 
when there's a tongue and an interpretation. It freaks them out. But guess what? That's their choice to receive or not receive, but it's biblical. Say it with me, it's biblical. Other traditions say these things have ceased. I say we need them more than ever. We don't need the Holy Ghost button in less frequently. This nation's a mess. We need more of the Holy Ghost. I was telling my, my staff, I was listening to a little excerpt from Mike Murdoch, and he was saying that he asked, he's asked all the time, what's the one piece of, of advice that's the greatest piece of advice you ever received in your entire life? He said, well, that's easy. He said, it came from my father, who lived to be 99 years old, planted seven churches, had seven kids. And he said, you've got to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He says, the biggest and the best piece of advice he ever got, you've got to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's what it means to be discerning. Mm-hmm. Amen. Say it with me. They lack authority. Listen to what uh, Proverbs 6 says in terms of, of their integrity. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to disgust Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Say that discord. Anybody here a Star Wars fan? A couple of you? Anybody here a Mandalorian fan? Disney, a couple of you. Okay. The rest of you, this will be completely wasted on, which is about 95% of you. But I, I, I genuinely appreciate what they have what they've done through the years, and it's interesting what they've done. And every once in a while, just a nugget of truth comes out that's so powerful that, that we can be reminded of what we already know. The, the, tongue, the tongue has the power of delegated authority of life and death. And there's this one scene in the current series of The Mandalorian where this little boy's about to be given the charge of a Mandalorian, taking the oath of a Mandalorian. And he's all puffed up because he thinks he knows everything. And this is what his elder tells him. He goes, one should not speak unless one knows. Ooh. Say that would be one, one should not speak, should not speak. Unless, unless one knows. One knows. Not one heard. Mm-hmm. Not one thinks. Unless one knows. So what if you don't know? It's easy. Shut up. Our, my choir director, her name was Bert in high school. Everybody say Bert. Bert. And she looked just like it sounds. And she was tough. And uh, when she wanted everybody to shut up, she didn't say, please be quiet, please be quiet, hush. She said, she quiet. She combined shut up with quiet. <laughs> so if you don't know, you should what? She quiet. Come on, say it. One must know if you're going to speak. And if you don't know, let's say, shakwiat. But how do you know getting people to shakwiat is a big deal? Say it with me. One doesn't speak unless one knows. Could you imagine how much better we would all be? How many of you have ever spoken and you didn't know? Some of you are thinking, hey, pastor, this would be a great time for an altar call right now. (laughs) Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Next is lacking unity. 
That voice you give your ear to needs to be a person of unity of the faith, not unity of doctrine. That's the test. That's why you can receive from people of other persuasions, other denominations, without being a critic. Proverbs 29, 22, an angry man stirs up dissension. What kind of man? Somebody tries to divide people from their body over doctrine is what? Angry. At the core, there's something going on there. Titus 3, 10 and 11. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. C, you may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. Now watch this. You don't break with people over doctrinal differences. But if they are divisive, you are commanded to back away. See the difference? Not the person who is, you know, having healthy discussions and walking in the unity of the faith. And the main thing is your love for God and each other. But someone who sows division, what should you do? Back off. Not join it. But back off. Amen. Somebody's doing this at work? Back off. Somebody's doing this in your office? Back off. Somebody's doing this in your family? Back off. Somebody's doing this in your church? Back off. Don't let yourself be drawn into something because we're told to warn what? Then once and twice and then what? In other words, you don't disfellowship somebody because you don't agree with all their doctrine. But you do withdraw if somebody is habitually divisive, separating people in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, So Christ Himself gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip this people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Full anointing comes from unity. Yes. Not uniformity, yes. but unity. How I many like to have full anointing in your life yes. and in your church? Amen. It comes from unity yes. of the faith. And remember what Psalm 133 talks about, how, how beloved, how, how pleasant and good it is to dwell in unity. It speaks of the anointing on Aaron's beard. It speaks of the dew of Hermon. It speaks, you know, of the, the blessing. Here's what you get. You get fruitfulness, you get anointing, and you get souls when you're in unity. Yes. How many like more anointing? Amen. More fruit? Yes. How many want to see more souls? Yes. Walking more of the blessing. That comes when you have unity, not of conformity in doctrine, but unity of the faith. Next is lacking calling. There is no call to tear down, to criticize, to vilify. It doesn't exist. Even if they're a so-called prophet, the day of that prophet of the Old Testament is over. The New Testament prophet is an equipper of the body of Christ, not someone who tears it down. But listen to this in James chapter 3. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You're called to what? To bless. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having composition for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling. In other words, nobody's calling you to criticize and tear up anybody. Watch this. Not returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit the blessing. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're called, you're called to bless people. All right, so you receiving some money. Well, I don't agree with that, but guess what I can do? 
I can bless them. Yes. Say it with me. I bless Joyce Meyer. Say it. I bless Joel Osteen. Say it. I bless First Baptist Church. Say I bless Hope Harbor Church. That's what you're called to do. But you will never find the critic also blessing. It's not going to happen according to the Word of God. And then last and finally, it's lacking humility. When you take on the role of the critic, you're walking in pride and not humility. Anybody know what Benjamin Franklin said when they were trying to constitute this great nation? When people were withholding their signature? He said, I would that all of you would doubt your infallibility and put your, your signature on this document. They weren't going to agree on everything. Do you see this? And yet they came together to forge a new nation. It is absolute prideful to think that you and I have arrived and have no room to grow and know everything. These ministries, so-called discernment ministries, aren't operating out of humility. They're operating out of a sense of pride, and you and I are not called to be like that. So pray for them, but don't enter into this yourself. It will stymie and stunt your growth. James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. That's why Scripture says God opposes the proud and gives grace or favor to the humble. Amen. So what are we saying here? We're saying that uh, as we've taught for years, Chew the meat and do what? Spit out the bones, but don't attack the cook. Say it with me. Chew the meat. Spit out the bones. Don't attack the cook. Does that make sense? That ministry doesn't exist. Why? There's lacking love, revelation, lacking obedience, lacking a soul focus, lacking authority, lacking uh, integrity, lacking unity, lacking that calling, and lacking humility. The conclusion is for you and for me, instead, walk in love. Grow in revelation. Obey the Lord. Do what He says to do when there's some kind of sin against you. Not broadcast it, but go to what? Go to that person. Focus on souls. Keep your mouth off of other servants. Yes. Amen. One must not speak unless one knows. Live a life of integrity. Pursue unity of the faith. Practice blessing, not cursing. And live a life of humility before the Lord. Turn to somebody and say, I have been wrong. I can be wrong. Sometimes I'm known for being wrong. Amen. So I'm not going to belabor this point, but I'm telling you that, that the real danger out there is not somebody who has some kind of a false doctrine. It is a self-appointed discernment ministry is chewing everybody. That's the real danger. Come on, say it with me. Chew the meat. Chew the meat. Spit out the bones. Spit out the bones. And don't attack the cook. Don't attack. Come on, shout it out one more time. Chew the meat. Chew the meat. Spit out the bones. Spit out the bones. Don't attack the cook. Don't attack. Amen. I was in a funeral, and ushers uh, are coming here in a minute to serve you. <laughs> and uh, not one of our members, but a relative of one of our members. And out of respect to that member, I uh, went over to the funeral service. It was in Benton. <laughs> and the guy opened up the Bible, the preacher did, and don't know him. I don't even know what his background or denomination was. So 
That's good. Amen. And they open up the Bible to Psalm 91. And uh, instead of equating Psalm 91 to what happens on this earth, he equated Psalm 91 to what happens if somebody dies, how God protects them in heaven. And uh, I mean, I, I left there thinking, this guy has zero revelation on Psalm 91. How many glad you have some Psalm 91 revelation? Yes, amen. Psalm 91 is not for those that are in heaven. There are no enemies there. There's no pestilence there. <laughs> and uh, he'd been better just to, to read the Lord is my shepherd and close in prayer. Amen. But you know what I didn't do? You didn't write. Yeah, shake his hand. Thank you for your service to the family. Thank you for being a blessing. Does that make sense to you? Uh, Psalm 23. Is it for the dead or for the living? Only the very end of the psalm is for the dead. The rest of it's for the living. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. But I know in heaven I'm not going to be in what? It's a no-brainer. Amen. Will I be lying down in green pastures? Will there be still waters in heaven for me? It goes without saying. Amen. Um, I, I just I don't understand that spirit, and I just want you to tell you that these kinds of things are increasing in the body of Christ. But you're not to be like that. Amen. 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 Say it with me. I have a discerning spirit. I have a discerning not a critical spirit. Say it again. I have a discerning spirit. Not a critical spirit. Anybody here tend to be critical anyway? We're going to have a deliverance service now for you. I'm going to cast that critical spirit out of you. <laughs> no, I can't cast a critical spirit out of you. You've got to crucify. That's part of your flesh coming out. Amen? One doesn't speak unless one knows. I just wish I had a Mandalorian helmet right now. That's what I really do. It's the helmet. Because it just doesn't fit when my face is showing. Amen? Say with me, one doesn't speak unless one knows. Hallelujah. Praise God. 